set for all the action. It's Vancouver Canucks game day on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. It's the Canucks and L.A. Kings on the final night of the home schedule here at Rogers Arena. We're uh, being treated to the black skate jersey against the retro L.A. Kings. Old silver and black jerseys with uh, the new silver helmets tonight, which should be uh, a fun watch. But fan appreciation night here at Rogers Arena means we will hear about the Fan awards, the MVP, the most exciting player, Connor Garland. And oh, stop it. The best defenseman as well as <laughs> the unsung hero, Tanner Pearson. Um, <laughs> I can't disagree with you on that one. Really? I've told you this before. I mean, I, I'm with you. It's, it's, it's Tanner Pearson. Tanner Pearson gets a lot of shade for a guy making very league average money and just a solid NHLer. He's been solid. He's and been, really good. You know, like the yeah. sneaky injury that they missed quite a bit is Tanner Pearson. Yeah. Although, the flip side of that, Sat, is without Pearson's injury, do we see Vasily Podkolzin get elevated up the lineup? Ooh, uh, I mean, I think that's interesting. Yeah. And, you know, a guy like Podkolzin, what can he do with, say, 17 minutes a game? Yeah. That would be... Can he get to that n- a number next year? I mean, the way Boudreaux talks about him. Yeah. I think he would have to... Um, he would have to, you know, be a penalty killer and whatnot. But for those that missed it and across the Sportsnet Radio Network right now, Vasily Colson spoke with media today in English, uh, did not use... A translator, and that was Very a, impressive. a first for the Canucks Russian forward. And he was really impressive, uh, confident in his speaking and um, affable at times with the media, mm-hmm. which is uh, a rarity uh, for a player hit that young and also speaking in their second language. So it, it was uh, really a breath of fresh air, and he has really been one of the bright – stories of this season what's kind of weird about it though sat like usually in a season that misses the playoffs it ends in a lot of negativity but the Canucks had their negativity point when they went through the organizational changes in December tonight the vibe around the rink the vibe around the team is one more of optimism moving forward compared to what it was earlier this season. This season is not a success. You don't miss the playoffs and and are capped out as a team, a team that's traded the past two first-round picks and missed the playoffs to call it a success. But it's been a successful salvaging of this season. And when you head into next year, there is real optimism with the people in charge of the organization, first and foremost, management, and also Bruce Boudreaux as a head coach. And then going beyond that even, and even if they do take a bit of a step back and make some moves, there is enough optimism in the direction and the foundation that they can be competitive again next year and that it's, it's, it's going to trend towards something positive. And 
That wasn't the feeling within this fan base in this market back in December. It wasn't. And Early December. And we, you, you've seen some real individual performances come around. JT Miller uh, has two games to reach uh, 100 points here yeah. and may do it. He did not take uh, part in the optional skate this morning, so it was funny to see uh, Kyle Burrows take his spot as the number one center on the Vancouver Canucks. You know, Elias Pettersson has reached 30 goals. Quinn Hughes has set a record for most points by a defenseman. We are likely not going to see Thatcher Demko um, in these next two games. We won't see Thatcher Demko in these next two games. But he had a fantastic season. Uh, if you want to focus on the positives, you can really uh, chart something that is – quite positive about this team that they did have a lot of players reach career marks that raises two questions though well the first one is obviously well why did you still come short even though you hit all those marks and two this is all well and good but how does it fit into the future of this organization and how you're able to keep some of these pieces together but also add to it Saturday yeah, and you feel a lot better about whoever comes back next season from the core. You feel good about them playing well here yeah. next season. And we'll see, you know, if a key player or two doesn't come back and who else comes back in their place and what that means big picture-wise. But as much as even a guy like Brock Besser has been taking some heat, given how these guys have performed since Boudreaux took over and how they're trending, there can be optimism on every single guy that comes back that's a key player performing better next season. Dan Richo, Satyar Shah, the Canucks Central pregame show as the Canucks ready for their final home game of the year, taking on the L.A. Kings, who are playoff bound. Let's bring in our broadcast team. It's Joey Kenward in again for Brendan Batchelor and Corey Hirsch alongside our color analyst. Gentlemen, uh, final night of the season, and as I was just saying to Sat, given where this team came from, it almost feels uh, – like an optimistic point of view going into the offseason, even though they've come short of the playoffs. Yeah, some might say it's uh, optimistic pessimism <laughs> based on the way this season's gone tip yeah. to tail, right? Like, I think you hit the nail on the head. Where was the biggest downer? Where's the biggest disappointment? Uh, October, November, December. And for teams that aren't playoff bound, you're usually talking about February, March, and April, right? And that's been the exact opposite for this team. They pushed... They went extremely deep into their lineup to try to get as many points and as many top-end performances as possible, climbing what just proved to be too big a mountain to, to get to the top of. I give them a ton of credit. Um, they battled really hard. But unfortunately, there's going to be a lot of different factors here, Hershey, and that's what's going to make sports talk radio in this market, uh, I think, quite appealing, uh, even if the team's not in the playoffs, to be tuning in for through the next number of weeks and really leading up to the the draft week in Montreal team had a lot of great individual successes but poor special teams poor start and really a thing that hasn't got talked a lot about enough is to, a big reason why they're not going to get in guys a poor home ice record they're going to have one more games away from Vancouver than they did here at Rogers Arena and that's what's going to make I think uh, those talks behind closed doors Boy, I'd love to be a fly on the wall if you're in uh, the Canucks management office this summer. Yeah, well, to me it's a penalty kill um, it's horrendous. 
Their power play was good, but the penalty kill was the biggest biggest uh, disappointment uh, this year. And right from the start, you know, they didn't they didn't use Coach Brad Shaw for the penalty kill, and I couldn't understand why. This guy has had one of the top penalty kills everywhere he goes in the National Hockey League, and it, and it showed. And then it was catch up from when they did hand it over to him. So, and you can see the difference now. It's it's incredible. Um, so. But, you know, that's a that's a part of it for me. The power play's been good. And then you didn't get performances early in the year from certain players. Like, Pedersen was horrendous the first two, three months. He was not good. And, you know, and then in the last two, three months, he's been one of the best players in the National Hockey League. <laughs> so it's like, um, which is good to see. So there's been, you know, guys that have, have played well. Bo Horvat wasn't good at the start of the year either. And then he ends up having a career year. Uh, JT Miller's been great all the way through. Thatcher Demko kept them in at the start, kept them. The interesting thing is going to be what do these guys do? What does Rutherford do this summer? Mm-hmm. Um, because you've got contracts that, I mean, you've got Dickinson at, at two more years, um, you know, at almost $3 million. Like, uh, as much as uh, I like him as a person and a player, he's not worth $3 million on the market. You know, this is a, a million-dollar player, a uh, million and a half. So he, they've got some cap stuff that they have to work through for dollars. I will say this, Sat and Dan, and I know you're going to – dissect this thing as deep as as anybody can in the marketplace over the next couple of weeks but there will be some that are going to say why did this team not do anything if they weren't going to be a playoff team then why didn't they do anything at the trade deadline of significance all right of of significance because i will say this there are some that are going to say that in the market but boy the way this team got back into the fight the way they got into the final week of the season still with a shot to be a playoff team i think that's what's going to be left in fans the majority of fans' minds as uh, as the team wraps up the regular season this week and tonight being their final home game and tomorrow wrapping it up tomorrow in Edmonton. Yeah, and, you know, this team, like Hershey said, has a lot of big decisions coming up. And, you know, the biggest decisions they have to make are on contracts for two key players, or three, really, when we consider Brock Besser, who's RFA, but JT Miller and Bo Horvat. How do you guys go about, or how do you believe this team's going to go about getting those guys signed to new deals. Because I mentioned this yesterday, and then Friedman also mentioned this a bit later in the evening, that the Canucks probably tackle the Bull Horvat contract first. How key is that going to be, and can they find a way to bring both Horvat and Miller back long term? It's going to be really tough, isn't it? All three. Yeah. All three guys. Um, you know, and, and Besser and Horvat, this is the only team they've ever known. For Miller, it's the best team he's ever been on as far as results-wise for uh, individual point production. You know, it's been a long time since Vancouver's had a player in triple digits in points. He could get there before the next 48 hours are up. Uh, regardless of who, they, if they can find a way to keep all three, I think they will. That's a huge challenge, though. You've got a lot of uh, juggling balls in the air when it comes to, to numbers trying to, to figure out, well, if they're going to stay, well, then who's got a goal, right? And the fact that this current regime hasn't done anything yet, I think that might be concerned to some. But I think they've, hey, the proof is in the pudding. They, they obviously have taken the approach, let's have a wait-and-see attitude. Let's see how this team performs with a new coach and trying to get back into playing meaningful games where it matters the most. They've succeeded in those departments, Hershey. It just hasn't resulted in them being a playoff team. And, and now we'll really see uh, who they put the microscope on the biggest when it comes to, to extending a contract or two, or if they can, even three. I I, you know, typically over the league, though, Joe, they don't extend guys early. Not a lot of times. They wait. The, the, Bo Horvat's had a career year of 30 goals. 
You're going to wait and see what he does next year. Right? All through I mean, all football, those get, Pedersen, or, but Besser has him. But you're right. Pedersen and, and Miller have had career years. Yeah. So Brock Besser's the guy. <laughs> Look, I love Brock. I like him as a player. I like him as a person. He's not worth $7 million. Right? So what do you do with that? Because you that's his qualifier. you got to qualify him at $7 million. And if I'm Brock, I sign that and I run. <laughs> right? Like, so that that's the one that they're they're handcuffed on that and you know let's be honest jim benning and and uh, you know they they made some really really bad deals but you also do you believe it or not you have to overpay players to come to vancouver you, you do and that's just unless the team's really good you have to overpay so that's part of the problem um and it's it's not easy to dig out of some of these contracts uh you know, what do you do with Dickinson two more years at, at 2.6? Um, you know, Connor Garland's probably, you know, right where he should be. Uh, JT Miller, are you going to re-sign him? Because you're going to get some damn good players back for him. And, yeah, I look at the deal that Colorado made when they traded uh, Duchesne. Was it Duchesne or McKinnon? They were thinking of who or uh, – well, they traded Duchesne and Nashville. Yeah, yeah, right. No, so what, what was the deal that, that they held on? It was Duchesne's deal, right, that Joe held on, held on, held on. Yeah, he waited Gerard a while, yeah, and waited, they, yeah. then they made you the three-team deal. You have to make a deal like that. And it put Colorado where they are today, right, that deal. So you have to – I think you have to try and do that with JT Miller um, because those are the deals that are going to put you where you need to be eventually. If you hang on to him, you know, it's like he's a great player. He makes your team better. But if you can get two or three good players for him or two good players for him, that's a good deal. Remember when Pav got traded? Uh, it ended up not being a very good deal. It was – there was um, – who, who ended up being in that deal? There Mike Joe, Brown, Mike Kevin Reed. Well, yeah, Ed Jovanovski, pretty good player. Was, yeah. Right, but for Pavel Bure, you got Ed Jovanovski, right? That's what you got. Boy, I hope Ed's not listening. No, hey, no one loves Ed more than <laughs> I, I know, do. I know. No, I'm kidding. I don't know. I haven't talked to Eddie in the last – but he was a, a good dude. I uh, watched him almost fight Shane Corson in the locker room one time. Uh, that's <laughs> that's what we story. want to hear about. That's a whole other story. Uh, yeah, Corson came into the Canucks locker room and wanted to fight Jovo. I remember that one. I was standing there. Uh, that was great. Uh, but anyways, uh, so, you know, you have to make a deal like that in order for this organization to get to the next level. You can hang on to JT Miller. He's going to be 30 years old next year, right? And then 31, and then 32. And what have you got for him as he's aging? You know, you have to make the deals that are going to put you as a Stanley Cup contender. Um, and again, you have to make the right deal. The Pavel deal was not a good deal for the Canucks. So, um, you know, I've seen this time and time again. I mean, I've been, what, I was 20 years old when I got into the into pro in the night. So this has been, you know, like 29 years of seeing this stuff. I'm not, you know, I'm not talking out of my no, side of my mouth. But I know? will say this, and guys, you can chime in unless you want to go to another top. Like, it's going to raise a lot of eyebrows if a team either A, doesn't re-up, or B, Joe, trade. Who cares? No, no, no. But, but if, it's if, not the fans that run the team. It's I the know GM, that, but, you but the to op- put the best product. Who cares what the optics are? You know what the optics are going to be when you're running for a Stanley Cup three years from now? Those are the optics yeah. you worry about, right? There, but it's been a while since a 100-point player got traded from a team that he was in contention. He'll be the most exciting player, Dan, Who by cares? the way. <laughs> yeah. but He's going to be 30 years old. Who cares what yeah. he is right now? You need to get a guy that's 24, 25, 
and is going to help you get into the into the Stanley Cup. So, Joe, we'll hug it out after. Okay, you know fair enough. You. It's yes. not a fight. It's no. just a discussion. That's right. Joe, Joe just gave me like he just gave me the. Oh no, look. I did. He's like, I'm going to kill you, Hershey. There's there's absolutely no easy decisions here for the Canucks to make, and yeah, you're, you're coming off a year where JT Miller has meant everything to this team, and th there has to be a walkaway number. Has to be a walkaway number for your captain, who's also uh, yeah. up for a new contract at the end end of next season there is you know, there, there's no easy answers here and and that's what makes this offseason so fascinating guys you've had a lot of individual success ultimately team success fell short but generally individual success leads to dollars against the cap and this team is already capped out one thing we don't know at all about is how Patrick Alvin is is going to maneuver this team, but it's obviously a fascinating yeah. off-season uh, off-season discussion. I haven't looked at all 16 teams' rosters that aren't playoff-bound closely enough, but I'll guarantee you there aren't many that have 330 goal scores, uh, power play quarterback, defenseman who set a franchise record, and an all-star goaltender on their lineup that aren't going to the playoffs. Yeah, Vancouver yeah. is one of them, and maybe. The only one of them. They're going to finish the year with the best five-on-five -five save percentage in the league. To not make the playoffs with that is yeah, the penalty kill, man. Yeah. So it's all the penalty kill. You got a good deal in your goalie. Thatcher Demko, five years at five million is a damn good deal. That's a steal right now. Um, but Joe, I'll ask you this: What do you do with Brock? What do you do about that? Does anybody have an answer for that? Like, what do you do? You qualify him at seven? You can't you try you, to work out a deal. You, well, you know, I, I agree, Dan. I think you try to work out a deal because as weird as this sounds and people are going to disagree with me, I think Brock Besser's best hockey is still to be played in this league. He hasn't played a full season 100% healthy. He has obviously been streaky in his scoring. Guys, would we admit when we see him and when he's in a groove, he's arguably one of the best pure finishers on this team. Just haven't seen it enough. That's a big, out of all of the decisions we've just glossed over here, that might be the biggest one. But you might be handcuffed, though, Joe. That's so, right. But then if you're Brock, you're taking it. Let's say, you know, you don't, they don't qualify or they try to work out a deal and, like, you can't work it out. And then maybe sometimes you got to cut ties with guys. Then Brock's going to the free agent market and he's not going to make. On the free agent market, he's not going to get six or seven million. Right? And teams so maybe will know. It, maybe end up cutting a deal for six or something. Teams right? will know exactly what I just listed off. I he's agree. been hurt. He hasn't been yeah. healthy enough, and he has a, been a, labeled as a streaky scorer. And that's that's a poker game in itself. I'm fascinated to to see how that one plays out. Well, I mean, you know the best case the best case scenario for Besser if he stays is actually a short term contract. If he signs, say, a three year deal worth say roughly six million per season that's 18 million does he say no to that and then give him a chance to be a free agent at the age of 28 and then maybe build on yeah. what he's done i mean th does that not make sense for both parties if you're not able to find a trade because i'm not sure you're getting good value on a brock Besser deal right now and you know to, to the point you made earlier joey about this team not making deals at the deadline and i think how they played of course had a big part into it but also they didn't get the valuation they wanted there's a there's something they would have accepted trades for and nobody met those prices so it really comes down to if you don't get the valuation on Brock, are you not better off signing a team-friendly short-term deal and seeing if you get surplus value there? Well, and, and who knows what the market's going to be like come July. Yeah. Right? Because guess what? Especially in the Eastern Conference, yeah. there's teams that are legit, and I mean legit with a bullet, Stanley Cup contenders that are going to be out on their ear after the first round because they will have lost.
to another quality Stanley Cup contender. And guess what's going to happen with those organizations? There might be changes behind the bench, there might be changes in the front office, or they might have to realize, hey, this was brutal. We should be better than a first-round exit. We've got to make some changes. So now all of a sudden there's other teams and possibly other players into the pool when it comes to, to trade talk. There's no guarantee that if Vancouver couldn't get something done last February that it's a slam dunk, they'll get it done on the draft floor in Montreal. They hope. They certainly hope they can. But I, I, I don't think, based on where we sit right now and maybe where we're going to sit in two months' time, that it's just going to be an automatic that they're going to be able to, to pull the trigger on something they hope can be done and, and be beneficial to them long term. Well, and teams aren't stupid. I mean, there's scouts at every game. All, like, all my scouts, they know exactly what each player is. You know, you're not going to snow anybody. Uh, Brian Burke said something once on, on TV that I, I really thought it was great. He said, as a GM, you got to know what your players are before the other teams figure them out. And, you know, that's kind of handcuffed the Canucks a little bit, but I, I have a lot of faith in this new regime. Um, now, is the coaching staff all going to be back and intact? I know, you know, the assistant coaches, uh, Bradshaw has another year. Uh, do they pick up Brucey e. Boudreau, uh, his option? Of course. Uh, you know, you're not going to let Boudreau go and bring in someone you don't know. So there's some, there's all sorts of interesting things that are going to happen, but it's exciting um, because I trust this organization, Joe, and Rutherford to get it done. Um a final thought on the L.A. Kings, who are uh, playoff bound. Uh, Alex Edler uh, is, uh, as uh, Lisa Dillman put it earlier to us on Canuck Central, he's been the uh, dad figure for a lot of the young players on this Kings squad. How surprised are you guys to see uh, this Kings team, this young Kings team, uh, playoff bound? Based on where I thought things would look like at the start of the season, they arguably might be the biggest surprise, not only in the West, but in the league. League-wide. Yeah. Based on where you were you know, handicapping teams and looking where things might be back in, in October. A, I didn't think this team would be a playoff team. B, I didn't think this would be a team that got the mileage and performance they did out of one of now the oldest goalies in the league. It hasn't got a lot of talk outside of L.A. Jonathan Quick has had an unbelievable season, guys. Yep. Remember, it was less than a year ago, if I'm not mistaken, Hershey, that he was maybe potentially looking for a new home. He wasn't even getting quality minutes as a, an, a backup might get in this league he's bounced back I don't know if we're, I don't think we're going to see him tonight but he's played 46 games that's had 26 or 23 wins he's been very very good and this team under Todd McClellan it looked like they were on the brink of collapsing around the trade deadline they've responded well and and have played some I mean they're one of the hottest teams in the league going into the playoffs come tonight trying to make it six wins in a row uh yeah I'm just, where I'm flabbergasted is is that two years ago, L.A. was a team that was in a complete rebuild. Um, not in a complete, but in a rebuild. They weren't very good after winning Stanley Cups, and here they are in the playoffs again. So, you know, that's where I'm disappointed where the Canucks are at because, you know, it's been year after year after year, and you know, they're just they're where they're at still. But that's not this new regime's problem. That's from the last regime. So. And you know why LA's getting into the playoffs over Vancouver? The start they had. Yep. Their start was dynamite. They fought to the final week just to solidify a playoff spot. So and, not, yeah. and the exact opposite I'll here. I'll agree and disagree. Vancouver. They're in a better position because they made better decisions than the Canucks did on players. They, you know, that, that's really what it is. Yeah, they me. got a haul And they had Jake a good start. Muzzin so if you look at yeah. the, you know, if you look at, yes, they had a good start, but it all boils down to, 
what they did with their lineup. In, and, and Jonathan Quick was good, too. If he's good, yep. right? So if they are weak, though, anywhere, I would, I would have said it's goaltending. Um, but as far as it's all your personnel, you can ask any coach, um, you know, whether or not they made a, a team better and all that, but they'll say it's the players on the ice. Yeah, we coached them, but if you don't have the horses, you know, you're not, you're not getting anywhere. And uh, wingers for the Canucks, they need wingers big time. Um, and that's where they're going to have to look in the summer. Gentlemen, have a great call tonight. Thanks, guys. Uh, there is our play-by-play -play crew. Brendan, uh, not Brendan Batchelor. He has got the call up to TV. It is Joey Kenward and Corey Hirsch on the call for tonight's game. Dan Richo, Satyar Shaw, L.A. Kings in town. Dustin Brown announcing today, too, that uh, this will be his final season in the National Hockey League uh, Still memories of Dustin Brown scoring lots of goals in 2012, eh, Sat? Yeah, no question about that. And, you know, going back, there was a rivalry between Matt Cook and Dustin Brown back in yeah. the day. And uh, there was this one time. You know what? I'll tell that story on the other side. All right. We'll tell it on the other side. Warm-ups, Canucks and Kings coming up on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Getting you set for all the action. It's Vancouver Canucks game day on the official home of the Canucks. Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Final home game of the season for the Vancouver Canucks and warm-ups have begun here at Rogers Arena. The silver helmets of the LA Kings are out there and uh, just as awful as you might think they look, while well, the Canucks are out in their black skate jerseys again, closing the season in the black skate. You wonder if it's a sign towards something next year, Sat? Uh, no. I mean, yes, maybe. Uh, they're not going to be the full-time jerseys. No. No. But could they be the third jerseys next season? Is that a possibility? Interesting. Is that possible? You know what? The, the Edmonton Oilers went to, to their retros as a third jersey. For a while, and then guess what? They made it the uh, they made it the main one. The Calgary Flames did the same thing, right? They went back yeah. to their '89 Cup jerseys as a third jersey, and now it's there all the time. So I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying it might at, happen. Look at what else has happened around the league. Oh, there we go. I mean, be fun and be exciting. Uh, JT Miller, JT Miller is out for warm up. He did not take the morning skate today, so. Uh, he is on the quest for 100 points, while uh, the LA Kings, uh, kind of hard to get a grasp of what their lineup might look like is uh, when they played last night, they didn't really go with anything close to a full lineup. You were telling a Dustin Brown story before uh, we went to break there, Sat. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, Dustin Brown has kind of been a torn in the Canucks side for a long time. And back in the day when uh, the Canucks had Matt Cook running around and, and blowing guys through the boards all the time, he was very annoying to a lot of players around the league. And uh, it's funny because it's not Dustin Brown himself who was the problem, but it was a game back in, I think it was 2000 and. 05-06, the first year after the lockout. And um, Matt Cook was running around against the Kings, and he like, he, like, blew up a few guys along the boards. And there was one play where Cook had the puck, and he was trying to get out of his own zone, and then Dustin Brown just came down and just smoked him and, yeah. like, drove him through the boards. And it was – I mean, 
it wasn't a dangerous hit. It was a clean hit at the time, and maybe now it wouldn't be considered clean, but it definitely clean at the time. But Matt Cook got injured. His head, his head hit the glass, started bleeding, and he's on the ice, all fours. You know, he's all shaking up or whatever. Sean Avery skates by. This is when Avery played for the Kings, <laughs> and he says, "How's your bleeping head, Cookie?" You can hear it on the TV. Wow. He was yelling it so loud. But, uh, yeah, that's a Sean Avery story around Dustin Brown. And that was when Dustin Brown was a young player. I think that was his rookie season. And he was just blowing guys up left, right, and center. I mean, just a super aggressive forward that was a low to play against. And it was super fast. I mean, his speed kind of went away from him a bit. And he was still a power winger. But early on in his career, he was one of the most feared hitters in the league. And... That year, I think we don't remember it too well because, hey, Jonathan Quick ends up winning the Conn Smythe. And, and, I mean, it was obvious because Jonathan Quick was so good in that 2012 Stanley Cup run. But you know who led the Stanley Cup playoffs in points that year? Goals, assists, and points. It was all Dustin Brown. And four of his eight goals came against the Vancouver Canucks in that five-game series, so he really was putting it up. But uh, really strong career and just another player out of that 20, 2003 draft that became an absolute, well, not an absolute star, but just a real quality player for the L.A. Kings. Yeah, he really has. I mean, his career, he played internationally for Team USA. He's won one Stanley Cup. Yep. He's not a Hall of Famer by any means, but... Is he a guy that ends up getting his jersey retired in L.A.? Probably. Two cups. Captain. Yeah. Right? Uh, so that's part of the story on the L.A. side. Alex Edler is out for warm-ups. He did not play last night. He is going no Bucky. Has a little bit of a – is it fair to call that a skullet, Sat? I feel like I feel like you can call it a skullet with, uh, with Alex. Yeah, Adler. he's starting to lose some hair, hey? You can see, like, kind of – you see that little bald spot in the back? You couldn't see that before, but you kind of see it now. No, uh, too, too much sunshine in L.A. for uh, for Eagle. Oh, man. And uh, it was funny with listening to uh, Lisa Dillman, who was on with us earlier during Canuck Central, and talking about uh, Alex Edler being a father figure yeah. this season for the L.A. Kings. He's the dad. Oh, and he just took a tumble. Uh, he is the dad of the young Canucks D group is uh, how Lisa Dillman put it. You can go back and listen to it. Hour one of uh, today's show. Uh, it's time for the Player Spotlight. It's brought to you by Supersoil. Want to have your garden in the spotlight this spring? Make sure you head to Supersoil, BC's largest supplier of soils, mulch, and gravel. Visit supersoil.ca. The Player Spotlight looks at JT Miller's at final game of the season here at home. He is three points away from 100, a number I don't think any of us expected JT Miller to get close to. No, and he's had, I mean, you know, maybe hitting 90 points. Yep. Wouldn't, wouldn't have, I mean, would, it have, would that have shocked you given that he's a point-per-game guy? It wouldn't have shocked you if he got to 90. Yep. 100, though, is something that you're right. Nobody really expected him to do. And we'll see if he gets there. He has two games to go at 97, like you mentioned. But he's a top ten scorer in the league this year. Yeah. And just kind of look at it from that perspective. Yeah, scoring's up. A lot of guys are getting 100 points this year. But JT Miller is still a top ten scorer in the league. At the age of 29, putting that season together. He's got uh, 37 points on the power play this year for the Vancouver Canucks. Eight goals, 29 power play assists. He's been so good. 
And I know he is going to be one of the biggest topics of the offseason and what the Canucks decide to do with that player. But Sat, we, we've always thought, you know, that's that's the player you got to figure out. That's the player you got to figure out. As you mentioned yesterday, uh, maybe that's not how this front office will end up playing it. No, and, you know, I still believe that Miller is a big priority, and yes. that number is going to matter. But as far as who do you try to get done first, I really believe it's going to be Bo Horvat. And that's kind of the sense I had when the show began, and that's something that Elliot Friedman also echoed uh, on the 32 Thoughts article he put out last night. And he kind of mentioned how, you know, priority one could very well be Bo Horvat as far as getting a deal done. And, you know, like I mentioned yesterday, part of it really comes down to premium position. He's the captain of the team. But also, it's you're more likely to get a favorable number with Bo than you are with JT. Yeah. He's the captain. He's been here for a while. The team drafted him. Canadian guy. There's already an understanding that he'd probably play ball a little bit here with the team. And we're not talking about a guy taking, say, 10 or $15 million less to stay in band. But he might be willing to sign a number that makes more sense for Vancouver. And then if you're able to get that done, then it makes it a bit easier for you to enter into the discussions with JT Miller. And you want to have your center position figured out long term. If you have Horvat signed, you have Pedersen under control long term, well, you feel like your top six is fine. You have wingers. You feel pretty comfortable about what you got down the middle. If you don't get one of those guys done, it leaves you somewhat exposed. So I think that's a lot of the thinking. But, you know, I, it really does seem like that's going to be the, the contract they tackle first, Bull Horvat, and it could happen pretty quickly after the season. Uh, so that'll be an interesting thing to watch. So many decisions this team has to make. But an incredible year for J.T. Miller, who is uh, the odds-on favorite for the Pavel Bure Award tonight, I feel like, even though uh, I believe it should be Connor Garland. Oh, it's got to be J.T. It is likely to be J.T. Miller. You know, I, I'm going to have to ask Randeep about this during the first intermission. But I was listening, driving around the city today, and I'm listening to the People Show, and this guy is saying Thatcher Demko is the most exciting player on the on the Vancouver well, Canucks. I mean, he's made a lot of saves. Super how exciting is a goalie saves. super exciting? Have you not seen how this Canucks team played? A goalie's a not exciting. It's exciting for the wrong reasons. It's like, oh, my God, they're going to score on him. You, how many breathtaking saves has he made this season? I mean, a few, yeah. So that, that didn't excite you? Your heart rate didn't go up? It's cool, great. You know, I mean, I don't know. Goalie's not exciting to me. You don't, you don't think spectacular saves are exciting? A goalie can be your most valuable player. I don't know. Like, that says a lot about your team if he's your most exciting player as well. I mean, well, I, think, I mean, it does say a lot. I mean, hey, I would not pick him as the most exciting player, but does somebody perform? Okay, if you talk about exciting moments start to finish, who had – who had did JT Miller have more spectacular offensive moments or did Demko have more spectacular saves? I think Connor Garland had the most spectacular oh, offensive moments. No, he did not. He had he's he's fun, but not exactly. The most. He's fun, exciting, fun, fun, exciting. Same thing. Fun, not the most fun. Uh, Demko had the like. Okay, there's been a, a ton of great saves, but like the one sequence that sticks out more than others, the one against the Rangers, without the blocker. Yeah. It's like. Whatever, like the craziest things happen to the Vancouver Canucks, but uh, that, that's something you can always bank on. It's Dan Richo, Satyar Shaw. He made a scorpion kick save this year. Yeah, that he was made pretty a good. two pad stack saves going across. Yep. He's gone post to post to Rob, guys. He's flashed leather. 
He's been really good. That's why he's the most valuable player. Exciting. Very exciting. Exciting player. Coming up, you'll hear from Bruce Boudreaux behind the bench with the coach, and Joey Kenward is next on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to the Canucks pregame show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Time now for Behind the Bench. Here's Brendan Batchelor. Welcome back to the Canucks pregame show here on Sportsnet 650 and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Vancouver playing their final home game of the season tonight against the LA Kings. Time to go behind the bench with Canucks head coach Bruce Boudreaux. Bruce, your last home outing I'm sure had mixed feelings. Your team gets a win, but at the same time is officially eliminated from playoff contention. What are your takeaways from what you saw from your group and the overall feeling you had after the win over Seattle? Well, you know, you're always happy you win. You want to win at home. Um, that never changes. Uh, I mean, the fact that we took eight minors really was the most we've taken since I've been here. So, I mean, that was a little concerning. Uh, but I thought our penalty kill was real good and, and we persevered even though we didn't play well after we started getting into the penalty problems that uh, once we got a goal in the third period, we took over again. So uh, it was a good win. I mean, uh, you know, anytime you win, it's a good win. Arguably your most important player that night was your goaltender. Spencer Martin is now 2-0-2 in his limited NHL action this season. Uh, How important is it from your perspective that he gets this opportunity in Thatcher's absence to not only continue to perform well at this level, but continue to build on those good vibes as as he hopes to prepare for what could be a long playoff run in the American League with the team in Abbotsford? Well, I mean, I think it's, uh, I think it's important for him to keep uh, showing that the first time he was up here was not a fluke, and he's playing great again. So, uh, I mean, that bodes well for the future um, for the Canucks to have... Uh, potentially two great goaltenders playing all the time. But, I mean, uh, it's always good to see him play and being able to move from side to side and see the see the puck that well. And uh, it's uh, it's great for us. And for this year, at least, it's going to be good for Abbotsford. There will be a tough out. Bruce, you have a lot of players that you're working with right now that are going to get playoff experience, albeit at the AHL level. And I know all of those players would love nothing more than to be a part of an NHL playoff team but when you look at players like Martin and Dries and Lockwood and and other players who have been here uh, and Pod Colson will be there as well if he'll have the opportunity how valuable do you think this experience has been for them as they get ready to continue to play on into the month of May well I mean as a as a player that's been in the American League for 30 years I'm uh, every time guys came down, whether it was a player or a coach or w- when I was coaching, it's, uh, uh, it's so valuable because, I mean, I don't think anybody realizes how good the American League is. And when you get into those American League playoffs and all the teams uh, that are eliminated send down their best players, it's, uh, it's, it really prepares you well for, the, for uh, the NHL. It also prepares you on how to win. And... Uh, uh, which is the most important part. Every organization wants winners, and uh, we think that Abbotsford's got a real good chance. So let's uh, send those guys down to be part of it, and and when they come back up in the in the future, then you know that they hate to lose so much uh, uh, that they will be they they will pay the price to do what they have to do to win. Finally, Bruce, this will be the last home game of the season. The crowd, whether win or lose, uh, has really been behind you this year at Rogers Arena as you prepare to try to get two points for your group what can you say about the reaction you've had from the Canucks faithful 
since arriving here with the organization a few months ago? Well, for want of a better term, it's been amazing. I mean, uh, it's never happened to me before. I'm, I'm actually very humbled when they do that. And, uh, uh, it, but it's, it's, you know, it's been great. I'd be, I'd be a liar to say that it, it doesn't make you feel good inside uh, when people are thinking of you like that. And, uh, but the, the crowd here has been as good as any crowd as I've ever been associated with. And that's why I think they deserve a winner so badly because I think it would be nuts here if they won. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, they've been outstanding. And uh, 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 my hat's off to all of them and appreciate everything they've done. Well said, Coach. Good luck getting two points tonight against Los Angeles. And uh, thanks, as always, for doing this here in our pregame show. All right. appreciate it. Thank you. There is uh, the ever-polite Bruce Boudreaux joining uh, Joey Kenward for Behind the Bench, the penultimate edition of Behind the Bench with Bruce Boudreaux as uh, it is the penultimate game of the Canucks season, taking on the L.A. Kings, Dan Richo and Satyar Shah, Canucks Central pregame. How much love from Boudreaux for the crowd? Big love for the crowd. And that that's something that probably would not have been said about the Canucks crowd, say, five years ago. Nope. But he's not wrong. The atmosphere. Boring suits, eating sushi and drinking <laughs> wine. What kind of a sports crowd is this? Yeah, don't get too excited. Yeah. The crowd's been fantastic this year. It's the best crowd I've seen in this arena, at least for a decade. I know there are other teams that uh, claim to be the best atmosphere in the city. Uh, it's not the case anymore. No, Canucks. It's here. Rogers Arena has been the place to be this year. It really has been. As far as sporting events go, I mean, we know the Canadians are so much fun in the summer going Nat Bailey, sitting back and yeah. watching games. But being at a Canucks game is legitimately fun again. And well, it's, obviously the team has been better under Boudreaux and everything, but the atmosphere, the engagement from the fans at the in the building this entire season has been great. Game Ops have done a fantastic yeah. job with their presentations and getting fans engaged. But just the passion and... You know, the joy that the fans have shown being able to be back in the rink again, that's been really, really palpable. Yeah, and uh, buying into Bruce, there it is, and what's happened over the last 55 games, it's hard not to believe in it. But as we've talked about some of the big off-season questions, Bruce Boudreaux remains one of them. And when he spoke to media today... He uh, was asked about his future and just simply said, we'll discuss it when the season's over. And that's all the questions I'll be taking on that. Um, it, we know it's been trending in the right direction. And the feeling you get just from hearing the players speak, it would. a lot of these players have really taken to Boudreaux. Would it be impossible for another coach to get them on board? No, of course not. But uh, Boudreaux has really had an effect on this team, and they seem like a much closer team today than they were at the start of the season and certainly before Bruce Boudreaux came in. Well, I mean, winning does that too. When you start winning and having success, all of a sudden everybody's a bit happier, mood's a bit better, and everybody's kind of on board again. And he, he certainly changed that, but it also goes back to overall identity and something we talked to Cheech about. He's very blunt and honest, Yeah. but he's not a... I was gonna use, I was gonna uh, use a cuss word, but he's not a you-know-what-hole about it. You know, yeah. like he's... He'll tell you straight up, but he doesn't say it in a confrontational way. He doesn't say it in a demeaning way. 
He'll tell you straight up, but then also give you a pat on the back. And if he does go to a point where he's criticizing you, it's happened after time and time again trying to get a message across to you. It's the Canuck Central pregame show. We will uh, probably be on at some point over the weekend for uh, the end of season of Bales. So be around for that Canuck Central podcast. You can find it on your favorite podcatcher. And if we do have an emergency pod or something to that effect, you'll be able to download it as soon as it comes in via the podcast page on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Subscribe and leave a review. We do appreciate it. It's time now to look at some of the lines of the game over at playnow.com. Sat, what are we looking at tonight? Well, tonight... (sighs) We were we've been really banging home the Elias Patterson um, anytime goals because why not the way he's been playing recently yeah and I will continue that for the final home game the juice isn't great but it's at two point two but the way he's been playing I like that and then something else we kind of mentioned the last game was Quinn Hughes over one and a half points yeah the way he's going right now is picking up a point yep. but if he gets a little bit more in the power play or gets a little bit more uh, over a single point. Then you start looking at some value. It was close to three over one over one and a half, and he hit that last game. I like power play points tonight. Over .5 for Quinn Hughes pays out a 2.2. So that's decent value for a guy that could find a way on the score sheet on the man advantage. I'm going for a little bit of a riskier bet. JT Miller three points away from Woo. 100. JT Miller total points for tonight. The over-under is at one and a half. Let's take the over at 225 for JT to have a multi-point evening here against the L.A. Kings. Yeah, could get to 100 points tonight with a big game. Hey, L.A.'s on the second half of a back-to-back. They're cruising. They're cruising. They don't have anything to play for. It's their final game of the season here tonight as they get ready for the postseason after this and their series with the Edmonton Oilers. This could be one where they're not at their best. So, yeah. Uh, JT Miller over one and a half points. That's what we are looking at tonight. Dan Riccio and Satyar Shaw. And as always, bet on hockey like never before with Play Now Sports, the official sports betting partner of the Vancouver Canucks. Almost lost my voice there for a second. I was going to say, you sounded like the Krusty Burger kid. All of a second, all of a second, all of a second, all of a sudden. I was like, Krusty Burger, home of the Krusty Burger. (laughs) Two minutes to go. Yeah. Uh, on the money line tonight, it is uh, 155 for the Canucks. Kings Big time favorites. Out 250, so the Canucks are heavy favorites here in their final home game of the season. Well, Spencer Martin getting the start again here for Vancouver. I mean, he's had four starts for the Canucks. He's been great in all four. I mean, have another one here, and then maybe talk to coach into getting you to play in Edmonton as well tomorrow. Hey, man, uh, we don't know exactly what's going to happen with the goaltending. Doesn't look like Thatcher Demko is going to play. Obviously, it doesn't look like Halak is going to play. Could be Spencer Martin or Arthur Silovs. Yeah, and Silovs could very well play tomorrow. I mean, uh, Boudreaux certainly left it open as a possibility today when asked and said, hey, he's playing in the East Coast League. Yeah. That's not a bad league. Uh, we like the kid. He works hard. He's prepared. If we have to go to him, we will. And, you know, I kind of wondered if they would call up Mikey for, say, that Friday game. But with Abbotsford playing and they're trying to kind of get positioning yeah. too, it seems like they want that guy ready to go for them. It's uh, the final home game of the season. Uh, final thought from you, Sat, before we send it off for the first period. Well, you know, 
I do think tonight could be a fun atmosphere as far as some level of appreciation. This team failed this season, yeah. but it succeeded in salvaging the rest of the season. It's salvaging the future to some degree. And, and I'm, I'm looking forward to a night of optimism, despite the fact this team is not heading into the postseason. It's the uh, most hope we've felt amongst the fan base since they went to the bubble and yeah. you saw Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson really put on a show there, and they almost got past the Vegas Golden Knights. But uh, 71 points in 55 games under Bruce Boudreau has brought back the optimism. We'll see if they can win the final home game. Puck drop, Canucks and Kings next on the Sportsnet Radio Network.